This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The Russian-installed leader of Kherson province in southeastern Ukraine said civilians in four towns were being evacuated deeper into Russian-held territory as Ukrainian troops advanced. He accused Ukraine of planning to destroy a dam on the Dnieper River, raising the danger of flooding. Ukraine's recent counteroffensive has driven Russian troops in Kherson back by about 20 to 30 kilometers. Iran has sent trainers to a Russian army base in Crimea to resolve issues with the, quote, kamikaze drones that it is supplying to Russia, according to American intelligence cited in the New York Times. Russian forces recently used the Iranian-made drones to attack Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, and energy infrastructure, but they have reportedly been beset by mechanical problems. The Iranian advisors are from the Revolutionary Guard Corps. Netflix added 2.4 million subscribers in the third quarter, well above its forecast of 1 million and a welcome reversal after two consecutive quarters of defections. Quarterly revenues grew by 6% year-over-year to $7.9 billion. Operating income was $1.5 billion. The streaming firm's share price rose by 14% in after-hours trading. Germany's interior minister sacked the head of the Federal Cybersecurity Agency over his alleged ties to Russian intelligence and opened an inquiry into his conduct. Arne Schoenbaum has helped set up a consultancy whose members include the German affiliate of a Russian cybersecurity company that was founded by an ex-KGB officer. Mr. Schoenbaum appeared at the consultancy's anniversary party in September, raising eyebrows. Lafarge, a French cement company and its Syrian subsidiary, admitted in an American court to paying Islamic State and another terrorist group to keep its business running in Syria in 2013-14. The firm agreed to pay $778 million in penalties. Quote, Never before has a corporation been charged with providing material support and resources to foreign terrorist organizations, said federal prosecutors in announcing the plea deal. France faced nationwide disruption on Tuesday as eight unions as well as students began a strike over pay and rising corporate profits. Transport, waste collection, schools and universities were all affected. This latest wave of industrial action will compound President Emmanuel Macron's difficulties. Weeks-long strikes at France's fuel facilities have led to shortages and long queues at petrol stations. Johnson & Johnson reported a strong quarterly profit of $4.5 billion, buoyed by demand for Darzalex, a cancer drug. But the healthcare firm faces formidable headwinds from a strengthening dollar and rising labor costs. Job cuts look likely. J&J's chief financial officer said the firm is considering, quote, right-sizing as it faces reduced earnings in 2023. And fact of the day, $1.5 trillion dollars the amount wiped off the combined value of American-listed semiconductor companies this year. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Hong Kong's Policy Address On Wednesday, John Lee will give his first annual policy address as Hong Kong's leader. Most attention will be on COVID policy. Mr. Lee has moved away from the mainland's zero-COVID approach faster than many expected. His scope to do so was grimly aided by a wave of the Omicron variant that left thousands dead. 
but many more with antibodies. Still, restrictions abound. International visitors no longer have to quarantine on arrival, but their access to restaurants, bars, gyms, and the like is curtailed. They must still take four PCR tests during their first week. Mr. Lee's policies satisfy neither health experts nor businesses. Still, with China's President Xi Jinping currently doubling down on zero COVID at the Communist Party Congress in Beijing, Mr. Lee is unlikely to relax restrictions fully. Instead, expect him to trumpet new infrastructure projects aimed at boosting a comatose economy. Meanwhile, the exodus of Hong Kongers and expats, fed up with restrictions and increasing political repression, continues. Nearly 3% of the territory's population has left over the past two years. European inflation has not yet peaked. For the first time ever, inflation in the Eurozone reached double digits in September. It is still largely driven by energy prices. But unfortunately for policymakers, inflation is spreading across the economy. On Wednesday, new statistics from the European Union will give the full picture of the rising inflationary pressures. But an early estimate has given a pretty good idea of the damage. Energy prices rose by a staggering 40% in September, compared with a year earlier. Food prices rose by 12%. These prices are volatile and will, hopefully, fall again. But goods and services prices also increased by 5.6% and 4.3% respectively, and will be harder to bring down. In fact, goods inflation seems to be accelerating. Prices rose at an annualized rate of 39% between August and September. A meeting next week of the European Central Bank will have to digest such depressing numbers and act accordingly. Expect another chunky rise in interest rates. Dented Profits for Aluminum Producers From cars to Coke cans, aluminum is one of the most widely used metals. But ubiquity and profitability do not always go hand in hand. After seven bumper quarters, Alcoa, America's largest producer, is on Wednesday expected to report a big drop in quarterly operating profits. Aluminum producers' profits are shaped by supply and demand. From mid-2020 prices enjoyed a stunning rise as energy supply issues led to a fall in production in China, the world's biggest producer, and later in Europe. At the same time, demand rose as locked-down consumers drank more at home, boosting demand for aluminum cans and government's planned recovery infrastructure projects. Prices peaked in March, at the highest since 1990, but have since collapsed. Chinese production is increasing, just as a slowing global economy squeezes demand. As part of its sanctions for the war in Ukraine, America may now increase tariffs on imports of aluminum from Russia, the third largest producer. If that happens, 
expect another spike in prices and profits for Alcoa. Could Oregon elect a Republican governor? Oregon is one of America's most progressive states. In 2021, it decriminalized personal drug use. Portland, Oregon's biggest city, regularly holds protests for racial justice. The state has picked a Democratic president in every election since 1988 and has had a Democratic governor since 1987. Yet this year, the gubernatorial race is surprisingly close. Polls suggest that Christine Drazen, the Republican candidate, has an edge over Tina Kotek, her Democratic opponent. Betsy Johnson, an independent, is trailing but splitting the vote. A hustings on Wednesday night will focus on troubles in Portland. The city faces an increase in violent crime and homelessness. The homeless population of the county which contains Portland grew by 30% between 2019 and 2022, as rents rocketed during the pandemic. Homelessness dominates West Coast politics. Voters in Oregon say it is the most important problem facing their state. If liberals cannot solve such issues, their rivals may be invited to try. Crypto's White Knight The vicious drop in crypto asset prices that began late last year has ruined firms across the industry. Crypto exchanges, lenders, hedge funds, and stablecoins saw billions in value wiped out in the spring. Some went bankrupt. Yet in every crisis, there is also an opportunity. Sam Bankman-Fried, a 30-year-old billionaire widely known as SBF and FTX, his crypto exchange, have survived the industry's route. FTX even injected capital into struggling peers. In June, FTX opened a line of credit with BlockFi, which offers crypto banking, and in July signed an option to buy it. In September, FTX bid $1.4 billion to acquire Voyager, a collapsed crypto brokerage which SBF's trading firm, Alameda, had previously lent money to. On Wednesday, a bankruptcy court will consider whether to let the deal proceed. But regulators in Texas are investigating both FTX and Voyager for securities violations and have asked the court to halt the deal. SBF's winning streak looks in danger. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which furry Peruvian migrant has been the focus of films starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant? Tuesday. 
What American cultural institution was established by President John Adams on April 24, 1800? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Pierre Trudeau. The past is to be respected and acknowledged, but not to be worshipped. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.